The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Given the shocking and pervasive nature of sexual harassment and abuse detailed in the latest report into issues within the Defence Forces, complaints will be referred to Gardaí rather than to the internal military police. The report outlined a toxic culture in which women were barely tolerated and bullying formed part of the training process. But uh, the uh, current Chief of Staff, the new Chief of Staff, we've interviewed him on this programme, Sean Clancy, has said that he was unaware of this. He didn't think that this was still a thing within the Defence Forces. Well, for more on this, I'm joined now by retired Army Captain and Women of Honour member Diane Byrne and by Fianna Fáil Senator Lisa Chambers. Good morning and welcome to you both. Um, let, let's start with you, uh, Diane. Uh, like the Women of Honour generally, you have welcomed this report. Uh, none of it too shocking to members of uh, the Women of Honour who, of course, had uh, maybe outlined their own experiences but disappointing, I suppose, that it's going on in such a widespread way. Absolutely, none of it is disappoint, or none of it is surprising. But of course, disappointing. But we've known about these for years. What's what's disappointing at this point is that we've just gotten to the stage where we've gotten this IRG report to see it in black and white again, and now we still have yet to move forward to a full public statutory inquiry. So we do welcome. The, um, the commitment from government that that's what's coming at this point and that they've said that this is a catalyst for change. But we really need to get into the work now um, in relation to what that looks like. Um, one of the issues, of course, is that the current chief of staff, uh, Sean Clancy, was saying that he wasn't aware that uh, this was still so pervasive. Um, wh- what about that um, contention from him that that it wasn't as widespread as it now appears to be? Is it possible for senior officers to be unaware, to get through a long career and not know what was going on? Well, it's very hard for us to, to believe that, that that could possibly be the case. For many, many years at this point, there have been victims who have been suffering from the abuses, serious illnesses, loss of livelihoods, careers, have gone through the whole system, chain of command, chief of staff's office, ombudsman, department of defence, politicians, court systems. This has gone on for years. So it's very hard to believe that anybody can specifically say that they weren't aware of this. But what we're looking for is this full public statutory inquiry to look at the matter and look at each and every individual senior officer, past and present, and anybody within the DOD who could have possibly known about this. And instead of dealing with these issues, have gone through um, a culture of concealment, um, of destruction of victims. Now, there is the bad apple theory, a few bad apples in a a, a whole barrel of good apples. Uh, Do you believe that that is possibly an explanation that the perpetrators were always the same sort of people or the same individuals that offended again and again and again? It's possible, but there's there's definitely a systemic cultural issue here. And is that what we're training people to be like? Is that why... It's continuing because those bad apples, so to speak, are training more bad apples. The, the, the uh, proper inquiry that's broad and sufficient enough to do this will identify this. Um, I, I'm wondering whether there was a kind of a casual misogyny in the Defence Forces, like there would have been in many workplaces before um, it dawned on the male workforce that equality really means equality. That, you know, it wasn't kind of malice. It was just, that's the way it is. This is the lifestyle. It's, uh, you know, it's a boys club into which we've allowed women and uh, they have their place. 
there's definitely a lot of that. It's very much an archaic system. And from a personal perspective, I accepted a great deal of things that in normal society, I would hope that I wouldn't accept because I was so focused on my job and my career, but things that were, were happened to me. And it's only when you get pushed to a point and you say, no, enough is enough. But there isn't enough people that have either said enough is enough or others have allowed it and they haven't had the availability to them or the strength necessarily to be able to deal with it because you still have a life, a career, a livelihood. So you, there's a very fine line for people to walk. And it's only when they're pushed far enough that they're able and they feel that they absolutely have to address it. So yes, there is a there is a normalisation of this, but it's entirely unacceptable. Um, you know, we use the term a, a safe space and we use it in a particular way. Normally, with respect to victims or potential victims, we want to create a safe space for them. But do you believe that uh, the Defence Forces, by their very nature, um, create safe spaces for abusers? I, it, there's definitely, it's, it's an organisation that once it can investigate itself, you know, that, that's exactly what, what is going to fall out of it. There needs to be a, a system where there is safety there. But once you've got an internalised investigation system and their own laws in which they can investigate themselves, that, of course, is going to fall out of that. So that's why we're looking for this full investigation into this so that we can design an appropriate system, and a system that Ireland deserves, the Defence Forces, that, that we should all be proud of, not one that allows for these systems and, and a cultural mm. air of toxicity to, to exist. Do you believe that retired senior officers should be pursued by this inquiry and interrogated as to their attitudes? I mean, um, presumably they will say if we'd known about it, we would have done something about it, but we didn't know about it, so we couldn't do something about it. And that's why we need to have the statutory aspect of this to compel information, documentations and people to be able to bring them forward and see exactly what was known and exactly how far this went in order to destroy victims to deal with it. There's a lot of people, it's a a system in Ireland where we've allowed people to retire out of their positions with pensions without having any aspect of accountability or ownership, Mm. so absolutely. Um, There is always the the question of, you know, retrospection, that, that you look back at a period with 2023 eyes and if you look at society as a whole uh, as it was at particular times different attitudes uh, pervaded and you know I'm thinking even of the Joanne Hayes situation mm-hmm. in that tribunal the room was full of men and men of a certain age be they judges or police officers or whatever it was all men and uh, what happened to Joanne Hayes uh, although it did in fairness cause an outrage at the time but it was the way things were for a lot of people. Uh, and I'm wondering if, you know, in the, the Defence Forces, there we look back at it now with uh, 21st century eyes and interpret it in a way that it would not have been interpreted at the time. Very possibly. Like, things have moved on, but there's a common decency and there's an, an internal integrity that people have. And they know their moral compass will direct them the right, the right mm-hmm. way. We've just had a system where people have conformed to norms or to expectations that rather than actually stepping out and doing the right thing because of the effect that that would necessarily have on them. So because of the culture where you are going to punish people for stepping out, you're also punishing people for standing up for the person. So it's absolutely entirely unacceptable. And now 
perhaps there's a hindsight aspect to it, but there is still an internal moral compass that people should should yeah. be following, and we need to start addressing that. Now, uh, obviously, m- uh, the women who contributed to that survey, a uh, huge number of them, almost nine in ten, uh, b- reported abuse of various kinds. Uh, a smaller, uh, less than twenty percent of of men. Uh, reported as such abuses. The, the question is, Was uh, to what extent was everybody abused, but when it came to women, the abuse took on a particular character based on their sex? Yes. Um, it, it was just an added dimension. Um, there's such a vulnerability there anyway, whether it's duties in, in various situations, whether it's overseas, there's a vulnerability there anyway. So there is definitely a requirement for people to be doing the right thing. And yes, there hasn't been a great deal of men, but there has been men. And the the core aspect that every victim has experienced is not necessarily the sexual assault or the assault or the in, individual issue. It is that systematic abuse that they suffer for the years after until they are in a position that they have to leave to save themselves. Mm. Um, the depletion in the Defence Forces, obviously, you know, incomes and uh, just being able to sustain a family have led many people to leave and they need to recruit uh, many more people. But do you believe that a lot of good people were lost because of this culture? Oh, without a doubt. I don't think we'll ever understand the full breadth of the people. Like, there are very, very good people in the Defence Forces now. There are very good people who have left. And a lot of those people that embodied the the core values of the Defence Forces, the integrity, the moral courage. These are the people that stood up for what was right and got destroyed and pushed out. So absolutely, we have phenomenal people that we have lost and we need to have some sense of vindication for those people. Do you believe that there will be maybe criminal charges taken against people on foot of the statutory inquiry? It comes down to the statutory inquiry and where and where that goes, and whether whether that will come out of it or not. I I, I wouldn't be shocked personally. No. If that because you know, uh, we've seen this before that you have uh, an inquiry by government, but if the guard, the say in the case of uh, you know some of the things that went on during the Celtic Tiger crash that if um, the Gardaí hearing everything that goes on in a statutory public inquiry, they have to start from square one in order to build a case. Mm-hmm. You know, even Again, though they know the testimony that's been given to an inquiry, uh, that is not uh, sufficient to begin a criminal prosecution. Yeah, that, that will all come out, I suppose, at the, um, with a full statutory inquiry. But until we have the terms of reference um, really tied down on that, like re- really whatever falls out of that is, yeah. is what falls out. Anyway, the the report yesterday and the reaction of government to it was a good day for you, Diane. It was definitely a step forward, but we really believe that we're at the starting gates now rather than and having made great progress. We've been at this for so many years and it's finally gotten to a point where we feel that we've actually been heard. Diane Byrne, retired Army Captain and a member of the Women of Honour. Thank you very much for joining us. Now, Lisa Chambers, who's on the political side of this, a Fianna Fáil Senator, uh, listening to that conversation. Lisa, good morning. Good morning, Pat. Uh, I think I remember you saying you were in the FCA. I was. I was in the FCA and then the Reserve Defence Forces in total for 13 years. So, yeah, I spent a long time um, right through my 20s and up until I was elected to the Dáil. Now, um, you wouldn't I have stayed that Europe. long if you weren't enjoying that experience. Was there any of the negativity we've heard for permanent members uh, evident in your experience? 
Yeah, like I mean, I'm conscious that as a reserve member, I was part time and it's, it is quite different to it being your full time profession, which it was for PDF, uh, Permanent Defence Force members. Um, but, you know, I, I did train with, with PDF members. I was trained by PDF members and I was very much embedded into the organisation. So I'm very familiar with the Defence Forces and I have many good friends still serving um, in both the RDF and, and the PDF. My personal experience was extremely positive, um, but I obviously I'm aware that it wasn't the same for everybody. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're right, I wouldn't have stayed if it wasn't. I, I only left out of because I had to leave when I was elected. I wasn't allowed to stay in the organisation. Um, one of the, the, the elements of the Defence Act 54 means I, I could no longer serve. Um, but no, I had a very positive experience. And, you know, reading through elements of the report, there. I suppose some of the stuff that was identified in terms of, you know, being asked to do demeaning tasks or humiliating tasks or um, kind of elements of initiation, I would have witnessed that. But that was almost kind of part and parcel, getting shouted at, getting roared at. Um, I did experience that, but I, I suppose yeah, it was I, part I mean, of some of that um, is actually... It's, I'm not saying it's OK, but it's the way it is and it's it done was, to men yeah. and women equally. Exactly. It was done to everybody. So you you never took it. I certainly never took it personally. And, you know, know, if you came in with a bit of a cheeky attitude when you were a young, young man or woman, um, you know, part of it was just kind of getting you to to step into line and do the military training. So that that was kind of part of it. But it's much more serious when it gets to bullying, harassment and sexual harassment and sexual assault. You know, that's a different space. And I remember every year we had an annual lecture called A7 where we had to sit down before we went on any training courses uh, and we were lectured about bullying, harassment uh, and sexual harassment and what wasn't permitted, what wasn't allowed. And it was very much impressed upon us, um, you know, the the superior subordinate relationship that if you were, you know, an NCO or an officer and you had held a certain rank, that you had a responsibility towards those in the lower ranks and that, you know, that those types of behaviours that have been detailed in in the report were absolutely not Mm -hmm. permitted and not allowed. So it is, um, you know, I think the report that was published uh, is deeply shocking. I don't think, I certainly wasn't expecting it to be as bad as it was, although I was aware of of, of the issues being raised. It's still made for really bleak reading. And I do think it was a black day and a dark day for the Defence Forces. And, and, and I think of those current serving members and former serving members that did no wrong. And there's so many of them, the majority, in fact, I believe, um, you know, will be very hurt by that. And yeah, because you know, any, not- anyone who knows, um, say, a male uh, officer in the Defence Forces of, say, in their 40s or 50s or whatever, uh, because of this report and um, the, the, this, the pervasive nature of bullying, people will be pointing at those people and saying, oh, we know what they're like. Well, uh, there probably will be an element of um, shame right across the organisation, even though you've you've played no part in this and it's no fault of your own. You couldn't help but feel a little ashamed of the organisation at the minute because of what's been happening. And, you know, certainly I was not aware that this that these issues still persisted. Um, there was definitely a view that these were historical issues or, you know, certainly going back a number of years. Uh, you know, the fact that the, these issues are still ongoing is deeply concerning. Um, I really thought in this day and age we'd move beyond that. Now, it is an organisation that, as it stands, is 93% men. 
um, you know, so there is going to be a particular, um, I suppose, culture within the organisation and, and that's something that's going to be addressed. I don't think we'll ever see the organisation be, um, you know, it'll be difficult to get to a situation where you're going to 50-50 in the organisation. It's it's the type of career that tends to appeal more to men for whatever reason that might be. Uh, and that's seen in lots of armies across the world. Now, we are particularly poor in terms of female representation and it's the same in the RDF as well. So we do have a body of work to do in that regard. But the Defence Forces has made a big effort or it's tried to make an effort in the last decade to recruit more female members. It just hasn't happened. And, you know, obviously this report would suggest this This would certainly be part of the reason, I believe, that we, we don't have more female members in, in the Defence Forces. And, and some of the women, women of honour will say, I could not recommend to a daughter or a niece or a pal or whatever at this stage to join the Defence Forces. Yeah, I mean, I mean, the Women of Honour have been incredible. What they've been through to get it to this point, to get, to finally get the statutory inquiry that they've so much asked for is, is you know, a credit to them. And they've done a great service to their country, to the state. Um, and, and they've been very gracious in saying that it's still a fantastic organisation and there's huge pride in serving your country. And that's why you join the Defence Forces. And that's still there. But this now is an opportunity. We're at a crossroads and it's an opportunity to completely transform the Defence Forces into the organisation that I believe the Irish people want it to be. One that you can be proud serving within uh, and one that you know is a safe workplace for women and men alike and that there is dignity and respect in the workplace. So um, what is the Chief of Staff, Sean Clancy, to do now? I mean, he has indicated that he was not aware that this was uh, the current situation uh, in the organisation that he now heads. What's he to do? Yeah, I mean, I take him at his word on that. You know, uh, I think many members will be shocked that this was still ongoing um, and we people believed it was something that was in the past and was still needed to be dealt with. I think, you know, he, he will have to obviously show leadership in the organisation. He has said that they haven't waited for this report to be published, that they've already started to implement change in terms of cultural change. Um, they're bringing in uh, civilian experts to lead strategic HR and a head of transformation. Uh, he welcomes the fact that the Defence Act 1954 will be amended to allow allegations of rape and sexual assault to be referred to the Gardaí. Um, currently, um, you know, the, the Defence Forces has its own legal system. It has a military police. Things are investigated internally. And that just isn't appropriate for those types of allegations and those types of offences. So he welcomes that. So, I, I mean, I wish him well. I think he's a very difficult task ahead of him. He's been in the organisation for many, many years. He's only been Chief of Staff for a very short period. Um, but obviously, he's been a senior ranking officer for many years. So he has a difficult task ahead. But, you know, it's one that he can do what he will need the organisation and the Department of Defence and the government to work with him to achieve those much needed changes. But ultimately, the you know the, the statutory inquiry will give us more answers and it will also point to where the solutions are. And we have to take our lead from those people that have experienced these types of issues and what needs to change. So I think we're going to have to talk to members, both current and former members, to see what changes the organisation will need to, 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 to make those changes. All right. Fianna Fáil Senator Lisa Chambers, thank you very, very much. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance. Weekdays at 9 a.m. on News Talk.